Kimberly C. Paul. As I travel throughout each state, I realize that death is just a moment. It is how we live until that moment that matters. Finding connection with friends, family, and complete strangers. Journey with me. This is the Live Well, Die Well Tour. Hi, this is Kimberly Paul. Welcome to Death by Design podcast. I'm talking to a great group of people today. The people I work with, actually, when I drove through Omaha, Nebraska, and I'm talking with Melanie Coslo, who is the president and founder of Endless Journey, um, also known as Endless Journey Hospice. And I'm really happy to reconnect with you via my podcast. So are we. Thank you. So before we get started, let, can you introduce the other wonderful tribe you have on the line? Absolutely. I have Megan Drummond, who is my executive director. And then I have Sherry Coley, who is an RN by trade, but she is the head of our holistic department. Um, so she runs that and that's kind of um, new to the hospice world, but we're really excited to have her on board and um, to kind of lead the team um, in that direction. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we get started talking about just what you guys and the wonderful things that you're doing in Omaha, can we talk a little bit about how you became interested in end of life? Because I know you have a little bit of a background. I I do have a little bit of a background. Um, When I was growing up, I wanted to make a difference, wasn't really sure how. So I changed my major a couple times in school, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. The whole time I was in um, high school and college, I served tables and I got sick of that. So I thought, you know what? I'm in school for business and marketing. I want to try something new. So there was a long-term care facility right down the road from my house. And I thought, what the heck? I'll become an aide. And back then the class you took at the facility and it was only like four to six weeks. Um, I liked it. The facility that I trained at really liked me. And they're like, you want a job here? I said, absolutely. Um, and that's when things really kind of started to change for me. I started taking care of clients and learning more about um, what end of life looked for certain people. And um, it was very foreign, but I was open to it. And um, I had a woman that I took care of who um, I fell in love with very much. She had um, Alzheimer's dementia. Um, her daughters were not in the area. And so the facility was her family and we took care of her. She was put on hospice services um, towards the end of her life. And I really thought that her experience um, should have and could have gone much differently. And um, I found out that she had passed um, on a shift that I wasn't there. And when I came um, back um, and learned that she had died alone and that the hospice wasn't there, I was very saddened. And so after I left that day working, I called my advisor and told them that I was going to be switching my major to nursing because that was the day I decided that end-of-life care needed to look different and um, I was going to do everything I could to make a difference. You know, I, I feel like we are joined together with our philosophies of how things are going in the hospice world. And yet, you know, we can serve people really, really well. But, you know, there are some a lot of things going on with the Medicare benefit that restricts. But you have created this new organization, not really new, but Endless Journey Hospice. And tell me, what? why was it important for you to create a hospice? Um, you know, this, you've had this woman, you know, pass away. You thought it could go differently. What kind of difference 
did you want to bring into this field? Well, I really learned what I wanted. It started going through, I knew that I wanted to do hospice. Um, and as I was going through nursing school, I really realized that the medical model was very important in certain aspects. But I was, as I was being educated on how to be a nurse, I was also being educated on the fact that we were taking a lot of choices away from clients, especially as they got closer to their end of life. And so I picked little pieces as I was you know, going through school. And then as I became a nurse, all while doing hospice, and I really just wanted to um, make that different. I love Eastern medicine. I love different cultures from all over the world. And I started to really study how they view death and dying and how their medical model was compared to our medical model. And I wanted to integrate both just to give clients more choices because that was the biggest thing that was lacking um, in the hospice world was that we were telling people what medications they were going to take, what they weren't going to take and how their end of life was going to look. And that was, what was all wrong to me. I felt like um, that families needed to be more involved. They weren't as involved as they should be. I felt like um, even the, even down to the, where the client was staying um, or if they weren't able to age in place, um, some hospices weren't allowing that. There was just a lot of, you know, a lot of choices that I really felt were important to bring back. And so that was my main goal um, that I knew that if I ever owned my own hospice one day, that that's how it was going to look. Wow. That, and, and so Megan and Sherry, um, you're on the line with us today, today, this morning. Welcome to the podcast. And why, why do you, why did you choose to, to work with Endless Journey? Uh, let's go with you, Megan, first. Well, I met Melanie when she was working as an RN case manager for a hospice company. I was a director of nursing and I knew Melanie as a nurse and a person and I knew her compassion and um, for people, especially end of life. And so when she told me she was going to start this company, I was like, awesome, go for it. And then she came back around a year later and was like, I did it. We're going. And um, I knew I wanted to be a part of it. Um, a nurse ran organization, but was somebody that's so compassionate about the person and the patient. I knew it was something that I wanted to be a part of. Oh, cool. That's so she came in back and recruited you to come on board. <laughs> well, she needed, she wanted a place, um, to start caring for patients. So, um, you start caring for patients pro bono to start, um, the process of showing everybody kind of what you can do. So my facility was a great starting place for her. I knew her. I trusted her. I knew she would give good care. So I, you know, welcomed her gladly into the facility. That's awesome. And and Sherry, which is this is you do something unique within your this endless journey hospice that I don't really see in a lot of other hospices. So really, why why endless journey? And tell us a little bit about more about your role and how uniquely you're contributing to kind of. I say, umping the level of what you guys are providing for people. So, well, thanks. Um, so as Melanie mentioned before that I am a nurse and um, I had similar experiences as Melanie described earlier where I worked in intensive care and I just saw end of life and um, end of life care just really, I thought it could be much better. And um, so I took a break from nursing for a while and became a certified healing touch practitioner. And as I went through that process, um, I found out about Endless Journey. And one morning, I just it dawned on me that I needed to come apply here. And I just loved what they were doing. And so um, through working here, um, I ended up becoming the holistic case manager. And we currently offer 22 different 
modalities for our clients and um, anything from acupuncture to aromatherapy to chiropractic care, healing touch, Reiki, uh, music therapy, massage therapy, just many different things so that we can help clients um, with whatever they need and whatever they want to try. For instance, if someone's having a lot of pain, we can try um, different modalities to help them um, along with pain medication. Man, I think I need some of that now. <laughs> I, I it, seriously, I mean, it's just like, do you, so you do have to be seriously ill to become part of your, you know, to become a client. <laughs> and I love that you guys call these people clients, not patients. What, what's the difference there? Oh, I've done that. Um, so that's a thing that I've done actually since I became a nurse because e- they are our clients. They're, they're not a patient. When you remind somebody and you call them a patient, that is, that is a reminder, um, you know, that they're ill and um, that there is something, that there's something wrong, right? And so when you call them a client and you address them as a client, how they should be addressed is because we are here to serve them. And, um, you know, we are here to make sure that their needs and their family's needs and everybody around them is met 100%. Um, and even though they don't physically pay us, um, we do get paid by somebody to, to take care of them. And it is, it's never a job for us, but it's our way of life. Um, to live our passion every day and to serve them and to serve others. And so they are, they're our clients and um, whatever they need, um, they get. And so we don't like boxes here. And so to have Sherry and that team to be able to offer all of those services is very important to us. Well, you know, I'm, I was in the hospice world for, you know, a while and I have learned in life and, and I don't know if it's because I'm getting older um, or or wiser, maybe I should say <laughs> wiser um, throughout my years. But you know, language really does matter when when it comes to serving people that are very sick. Mm-hmm. And and so I I really tip my hat to you guys um, for addressing and seeing your um, what everyone else calls a patient, um, more of a client, almost giving them sort of how do we make this customer have a you know a really great experience with us but yet you apply the most interesting and the most rare thing that i think because of the medicare benefit that's evaporating from our field is is connection um with with the patient um or your client and so i i really think that that you guys are are definitely using some different languages um and literacy when it comes to serving people and i i i tip my hat to you and i think that's uniquely different um, and I've not seen that across the United States except with you guys. And so I applaud you on that as well. Um, so what, what, can, what can we do um, when we're talking about language? You know, we talk about holistic philosophy. You know, we in hospice sort of know what that means, maybe. Um, but let's talk about what does endless journey, when you talk about embracing that holistic philosophy, what does that mean? So we can like really get people to completely understand uh, what you're delivering to your clients. Do you want me to answer that? Is, yeah, sure. this is Sherry, right? Oh, no, no this is Melanie. Yeah, oh, are, yeah. Well, who, would be, who, would, <laughs> who would be the best one to answer that? <laughs> oh, any of us, really. I, I think we all know. Yeah, well, then, really, let's go down, um, you know, Melanie, start. Like, what what is a holistic approach when it comes to to serving people under um, Endless Journey? Um, well, I can give an example of why I really wanted to. Okay, so 
holistic means something different to everybody. But when I worked in Kansas and I worked at a hospice house, I took care of a lot of 20, 30, 40 year olds with cancer. And a lot of them told me that when they were going through the process until they came to the decision of hospice, um, they felt like they were standing in a room screaming and nobody was listening to them. They felt like all of their needs were never heard. And I thought that that was very interesting. And that really made me feel some type of way because I was like, they're not being treated holistically, which means that every single part of them was not being treated. So their mind, body, spirit, soul, and then the family that surrounded them, none of them were being treated. It was just the disease. So the disease now had their name. The disease now ran what their life was going to look like, but every other aspect of them and who they were as a person was taken away. So now they were a name and an and an, an ID number when they came into the hospital. They weren't known as who they were and who their spirit was. And that and that was really what needed to be brought back. And so when you holistically treat someone, you're treating all of them because just because they have a disease process or they're dying doesn't mean that they're not the same person that they were. And you really have to keep that in mind because your body will never be okay if your soul isn't okay, if your energy isn't right. And so you have to work on both. And so really that's where I kind of just told Sherry that, Hey, this is what we're going to do. How are we going to do it? And she kind of ran and she, you know, I think Sherry would agree, but she has her own takes on stuff like that as well. So Sherry, what, what is, you want to expand on that? Well, I agree with everything that Melanie said, and I think she said it very well. Um, Basically for me, holistic is treating someone's physical body, their emotional, mental, and spiritual um, states as well. And just to make sure you're paying attention to all of those different areas. So really, it's it's going back to really what Dame Cicely Saunders, the whole reason she even sort of thought beyond um, this kind of medical model. She wanted to really take hospice outside of that medical model um, and provide this holistic way of approaching end of life. And, you know, over the last few years with uh, what I've seen is that hospice has completely become absorbed with the medical model. And, you know, when I first started in hospice, our nurses didn't even wear scrubs. It was crazy kind of thing. And now it's it's sort of adapted and become part of this medical model, which some parts can be good, but also some can take away from that very holistic approach. And so I, I, I think you going back to the basics of what hospice truly was meant to be is what makes you special. Now, so, let me, you guys are in the process of building a hospice care center. And I know that's, you know, very confusing to possibly community members because, you know, hospice care center versus care within the home. So let's basically walk through what really is hospice in the home versus hospice care center. Uh, And Melanie, take that for me. So there are different levels of um, hospice. And you can, we serve clients now in their homes, um, in a facility or in assisted living. Um, and those are where, um, we would go, we would go to them. Obviously a facility has a nurse, a nurse staff 24 hours and assisted living has a nurse on site normally during the day. And then at home, the family is normally the caretaker when we're not there. And then we kind of step in the idea that to have the, um, the hospice houses built, um, would be for, um, an environment for a client to go if 
they did not want to pass in that type of setting, but they also didn't want to pass in a hospital. So I have a lot of experience, like I said, with younger clients. I had a lot of mothers with cancer that would stay in their home up until about a week before they passed. And then they would want to go to the hospice house because they just didn't want that memory to be there. And I really loved that idea because that, first of all, it was their choice and their choice should be followed through your end of life should look however you want it to look. And I feel like there's not enough of those. I, I, I don't feel like that choice is there as much as it needs to be for these clients, because if they don't want to die in home, a lot of towns don't have a hospice house. They have to go to the hospital and the hospital is medical model. So it's very hard for them just to die without having all of these things hooked up to them. Whereas at a hospice house, when you go to pass, it could look however you want it to look. Um, if you don't want your oxygen, you don't need oxygen. If you don't want certain medications, you don't have to get them. Um, you can have family there. You cannot have family there. Um, but it needs, we really wanted to make it look, we, they will, they will not resemble facilities. They will resemble homes. Um, that's why I want to do two 12 suites. Um, so they will be suite type rooms so you can fit family in there if you want more of an intimate setting, but we want it to look like a home. We'll never be able to duplicate where they actually live, but if we can get as close to that as possible, um, that ultimately is the goal, somewhere safe, somewhere calm, somewhere soothing, um, so that they can get comfortable and comfortable. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, no visiting hours. Families can spend the night. Yep. You can come and go and. I mean, and really, you know, I have a few friends that have done a lot of research on sounds at the end of life. Hearing is the last, um, you know, element to go. And when you're hearing beeping noises in a hospital, is is that really what the last thing you want to hear is? And and so I I totally uh, love this hospice care center idea. I love the suite idea. Um, and I love providing, you know, another option for those. And, and sometimes, you know, the the pain, you know, can't somewhat be controlled in the home. And it, this gives them another option that they would have in a 24-hour um, nursing care um, and observation right there in your hospice house. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So it's 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 a unique option. Um, and you're, you'll be the only... Is this the first hospice care center in Nebraska? No, there there is another one in Omaha. It's a twenty six bed, um, but it it is more more or less like a facility uh-huh. that um, hospices can can send can send some people. Yeah, but this is this is uh, totally you're talking about a true hospice care center that's run by a hospice that is utilized to enhance um, and provide options for people within your care, correct? Yes, we would probably be the first one in the whole United States to have what we would like to have because we will also have um, a center for people to go there um, if they're on hospice or not. Um, And all of our holistic modalities will be carried out there as well. Um, So that would definitely be much different. We would probably be, well, we would be the only one in like the United States to have that. But as far as Nebraska, yes, we would probably be the first to have legitimate hospice suites um, and not, not, it not be a facility um, type of setting. So, yeah. Oh, wow. And so you're even going beyond just hospice patients. You're opening up this uh, to the community as well. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We would have a retreat wow. center there. Yeah. That's so cool. Plus, you know, I, you hear the word hospice and, and people tend to, you know, kind of withdraw from that. 
And it's really an interesting kind of concept to open it up to the community, let them see what you're doing, what you are bringing to end of life, which you can bring to your life even while you're still living without a serious illness. That's that's a special element um, that is that is really unique, and I'm I'm really glad that you guys are are adding that. So tell me, where are we in the process of building this hospice care center? And is that is that what you're calling it a hospice care center, or do you? I'm, I mean, it sounds like language is a unique thing for you guys. Are y'all calling it something more unique? Right now, I think we've said is, you know, the 12 suite hospice houses that we want to do. So um, we're in the process of finding some land. Um, We have some areas um, near us that we really like. We're trying to find the perfect place somewhere where it can be somebody's sanctuary, but large enough to have um, more than one house um, on the property, also to have the retreat center, um, somewhere that would be able to house a spring water pool for our clients to go in if they wanted to. so that's kind of, you know, the direction that we had to go was getting our name out there in the community. So we had to focus on this side first. And now that we've been serving clients um, really since April of 2017, and we've admitted over 600 clients on our service, I feel like we're growing enough to where people recognize who we are and kind of recognize what we do so that they'll be more open to this so that we can really get the donations that we need to, to start building those. Wow. So you're in the process of like a capital campaign to help build this vision of a hospice house, 12, 12 suites with even an extra holistic aspect that the community can take part of or take it, you know, be a part of too. Um, so where where are we in this campaign? <laughs> Is it just beginning? Yes. Yes, it's just it's just beginning. It's just beginning. So do you guys have like how much you would love to raise um, in your community or all together? Or is that like just re- overwhelming? right? Me- now? Megan, how much do we want to raise? <laughs> well, I think we um, put some numbers together. Our starting point is around $2.5 million. I think that's where our starting campaign number is at right now. That's to get the land to get the hospice suites up and going and to start the process of moving all of this forward is kind of where we're at. So that's, you know, I know we say two point some million dollars, but that's, I don't think that's too bad for what you're trying to provide for the community. So how it's really not. Yeah. So how, how can people even in Nebraska um, contribute? How can I contribute to your cam campaign? Because I love the holistic. I love the people you are as well as the, whole aspect of looking and adding holistic um, other things outside of this sort of like hospice model um, contributing back to the your clients. I mean, how can people give to this campaign? Um, well, I'll take this. So um, there's several different community events that we have going on throughout the year. Um, we have our gala that's usually takes place um, in the fall towards the end of the year. Um, we also will usually have a spring fundraiser. Um, but yeah, just participating in any kind of community events we have or just straight donations. Um, and we also love any kind of community collaboration with the houses. We're very much of a local business supporter. Um, lots of different local businesses work with us very closely in providing some of the services that we provide, including all of our holistic contractors that we use for the holistic side. So really just becoming involved. We want to really make this a really strong, um, deep-rooted community center so that like you said everybody can get to know what hospice is understand that it's more than just about dying it's about living and that everybody can grow to understand what our philosophy and mission is so that this center can be just 
really at this at the heart of the uh, city of Omaha and surrounding areas. So is is this campaign um, and your events on your website? And if so, what is your website? Um, yes. Yeah, so our website is um, www.endlessjourneyhospice.com. Um, and yes, we list all of our events on there as they come up. We also have a Facebook page, Endless Journey Hospice. Um, and we post, you know, our different community events on there as well. And, you know, this is, this is the thing. People don't realize that even $5 towards something like this, you know, if you had a million people give $5, then what does that equal? I mean, it's, it's like not the, the amount. It's like, how does everyone have a part in creating this for the community. Just for instance, my podcast, you know, that we're doing right now, I feel like the community owns it. Um, you know, I don't want anything coming in to disturb people who are learning about um, end-of-life services, so we, it's commercial-free. You know, it's it really is just a simple interview conversation. But community members like yourselves contribute to the content. And so it is owned by the community. And I feel like you guys are trying to get the community involved as, as like almost a community center to get them to feel like this, you help build this and this is the communities. Um, and I love that philosophy of, of trying to um, really include the community be, to be the asset to, to contribute as well that they one day might benefit um, within the hospice service world, but also even far beyond before they need hospice. So I love that philosophy. Um, so what if, what if, like, I'm I'm sitting here in Texas right now. I'm not near Nebraska. But what if someone like me, who believes and knows your staff because I met with them, um, wanted to give? I mean, how how do we who live outside of you, your community, who just believe in what Endless Journey Hospice stands for, how do we contribute? So you can go to the website. There is a link on there for the donation. You can call in and speak to myself or Megan or um, Mikel, our business office manager, and kind of talk about um, if someone wanted to, because we've had um, people send in checks. We get a lot of money from memorials. We'll have a lot of families leave us um, the memorial um, in honor of their loved ones. I think a lot of people, um, you know, they don't really understand um, the Medicare and Medicaid benefit of hospice. So it's covered 100%. Um, and we receive money from them to care for these clients. But everything outside of that, that Endless Journey offers um, is not covered by that. And so that is what our nonprofit side covers. But it's so much more than just our holistic services. So there's a lot of hospices that won't cover clients if they're on a TPN medication. And TPN can run anywhere from $2,000 to $4,000 a month. Um, Endless Journey does not turn somebody away. We will cover that cost for them because if they need that to make them comfortable, they get it. If someone is on radiation for palliative, Endless Journey pays for that. That is not covered under the benefit. We have covered that for some of our clients. There is no, as far as Medicare and Medicaid are, are concerned, if they're not doing any sort of aggress aggressive curative things, then we can allow them to do that while beyond hospice services, but they do not cover that. So Endless Journey does. Well, you know, you, that's a that's a very good point because, you know, a lot of people think sometimes radiation or some types of chemotherapy, that's aggressive treatment, but really it's more palliative, which is 
how do we make this person comfortable? Um, will this treatment um, release, you know, shrink this perhaps cancer tumor down so they can breathe a little bit better? And so that's that's sort of a unique thing that that a lot of hospices across the United States aren't doing either. Correct. Correct. And we do that. We've had a lot of clients um, that come on to us um, that might have a private insurance because the more that we have grown and with the community and kind of let them know about getting on hospice center and that it's not a scary thing and that we're here to walk with them, we've got a lot of younger clients on service, which means that they don't have the Medicare benefit. They just have a private insurance. Well, most private insurances do not cover hospice at 100%. They might cover it at 75% or 80%. And then it's the client's responsibility to pay that extra. We do not charge the client that. If someone comes on service and let's say their Blue Cross only pays us, you know, $50 or 50% or whatever, we cover the rest of that because that's how it should be. We get paid by the our government to love every single day. I want people to understand that, that we are so passionate about what we do, that this is not a job to us. And this is making sure that someone gets the best end of life care that they can get and not being a corporate and allowing to have the nonprofit side of this company. We are able to do all of that. Um, so yeah, any sort of a donation that we get, 100% of that goes back into the hospice, all of our clients that we serve. Wow. That's amazing. That's truly amazing. Uh, you know, the only bad part about this is I might have to move to Omaha, Nebraska for my end of life. And you guys get snow um, because I, I can't deal with the snow. You're but coming to work with us, Kimberly. Oh, hey, all right. <laughs> I, mean, I will say, <laughs> I will say, though, um, you the 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 time I spent with your staff um, and you guys, uh, it, it's just it was extraordinary to meet some of the holistic people that are working um, with you guys and even the staff and the nurses and the CNAs and I mean, everything you have, it was such an intimate group that when I left, I felt like I was family. And, you know, that's, that's really rare uh, that you have that experience with people who are just in it to do the right thing. Um, and I do believe when we do the right thing, everything else will be resolved um, somehow, some way. And I know that's sort of a, uh, you know, <laughs> a dreamer's or visionary's viewpoint, but I do believe that you guys are experiencing that. And this, so when, when do you hope that this care center is up and running? Do you have like a, a three-year plan or a five-year plan? Or when do you, when do you hope to have uh, the funds raised to start breaking ground? Well, I would hope to start breaking ground within a year. Whoa! For sure. And then once it's, and then once we start breaking ground, um, it would be probably six to eight months after that when we could be able to start taking care of clients. It's, it's you know, the process that we started this company went by very, very quickly. Um, we were up and running after we got the offices. We saw, we got the offices in November. We were seeing clients pro bono by February. Um, so the universe wants it to happen. It's going to happen. So that's what we're putting out there. We're praying, you know, God's got this and, um, hopefully within a year we're breaking ground. You know, that's, I, I definitely feel like this is going to happen. And, and this is what I would like to, the other listeners to understand. I've never seen an agency with this type of vision. And, and this is how we can help who don't live right now in Omaha, Nebraska, if we could contribute, 
And maybe this could be the model that we see happening across the United States, a different hospice house suite philosophy with a community center that invites people to understand that even the dying are living and that this agency is supporting that. How do, how do they live the best way they can, even if they're facing a serious illness? And I, I, I really feel like if we can all come together collectively, listeners on this podcast, to contribute as, as much as you can or as little as you can, to collectively, we could create a model that could be duplicated throughout this United States. So please, I, I cannot express enough to visit their website, contribute what you can. And like I said, it's really about how many people can we get to contribute to this campaign that this building can be, you know, starting to be, gosh, created within the year, which I think is absolutely possible. So before we go, um, before we end our conversation, um, you know, other than the care center, Melanie, how how have you maintained this intimate uh, hospice philosophy, um, hospice environment versus the whole corporate, um, you know, reimbursement, more senses? I mean, it's a fine line, but how are you doing that as the, the creator and founder of this? It was created and designed to really meet people where they're at and to understand that, yes, we are all going to eventually take our last breath, but how, how would we want it to look? Like, if we were told that we only had X amount of days to live, how would we want that to look? And in a time when we feel the most vulnerable and we would require the most in our lives, what does the rest of the community do for us? How does the medical model really stand behind us? And if it's not, then there needs to be somebody that will, and that's the endless journey. And every single one of my clients and all of our holistic providers that we provide are so passionate about what they do each and every day. And we're so blessed that they are here because it's about, being a family. It really is. And, and our clients are like family to us and that is how they are treated. We walk into their home to do what we can do for them when they need it, how they need it, what they want it to look like. And it's not just the client, it's the family as well. And it's getting people involved, but it's giving them the choices and giving them a voice back. And once people see that we really truly do it for the right reasons and that they are a name and they are a living, breathing soul that means something to us, that is the difference. You know, corporate America is, is so important in certain aspects, but it's not, it's not for hospice. it's just not, this is a time, this is an intimate moment in someone's life. And when you have people come in your door, you have people come into a facility that genuinely are very humbled every day. And we are honored to do what we do. That speaks for itself. I mean, that's how we have grown at the rate we have grown. We don't have marketers. We don't have, we don't have a lot of promotions. We're blessed to meet people like you so we can be on your podcast to talk about what we do, but we don't have like a marketing budget because we don't need one because we do this, we do this for the right reasons. And if we're honored to take care of you, great. Um, you know, and we just hope that the word gets out more and more and that's how we continue to grow. Um, I, I really think that's the main philosophy. 
I love it. So give me your website one more time. And and I think I can recall it. It's www. Is it journeycarehospice.com? It's endlessjourneyhospice.com. Endless, of course, endlessjourneyhospice.com. Um, so please um, check the website out. Check the what, what we can do. Either you live in Nebraska and want to contribute or outside of the state and still want to contrib- contribute to this unique model that they are are trying to get up and running, which are, you know, 12 hospice suites as well as a community center. Everybody, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and being with me again. And I, I still, I still uh, am just amazed at the work that you guys are doing. And uh, I, I'm, I just am your biggest cheerleader out here on the road. And uh, I hope our paths cross again for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. And and again, um, endlessjourneyhospice.com. Check them out. Um, Donate if you can, um, because we we can contribute um, as much as we can and, and, and make something happen uniquely in Omaha that we could duplicate. Um, and I'm telling you, the listeners, you you were wanting to know this organization and what they're doing. So, ladies, thank you for joining me. And I look forward to working with you and seeing one day coming back and seeing this beautiful community center with your hospice house suites up and running and serving your community. So thank you so much for your time. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. And remember... You're the designer.